Hi, I'm Marina, founder of Back to la Tierra in Malaga in Spain, and welcome to Roots and Resilience, a podcast dedicated to exploring the stories and wisdom of individuals who embody an empowered life centered on self-reliance. Join me as I dive into conversations with inspiring guests who are living examples of resilience, independence, and the power of community. I'm recording this in December 2023, and today I have invited uh, Sarah Scheich to talk with her about how Ayurveda contributes to developing and strengthening one's roots and resilience. I recorded a solo podcast a few months ago, which I will link in the notes, where I describe my experiences with an Ayurvedic lens, um, which was guided by, um, by Sarah online. And it was a really beautiful reconfirmation of what this, um, this brings, this uh, Ayurvedic. in the countryside of Malaga in Spain. Uh, hi, Sarah. Welcome to Roots and Resilience. I want to start by asking you how you think Ayurveda contributes to developing our resilience. Hi, Marina. It's nice, nice to be here. Thank you for, for inviting me to your podcast. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to talk about Ayurveda with you and your listeners. Um, well, I'm very passionate. Yeah very passionate about Ayurveda and um, the multiple things it can do to help us, to empower us, to live a better life. And as far as resilience is concerned, if you understand resilience as uh, the capacity to adapt or bounce back from any kind of difficulty or challenge, then I think Ayurveda really excels both on a physical, but on a, on a mental and emotional level as well. It's a very holistic science. And um, I often say that Ayurveda is kind of the instruction book to your body and to life in general, how we fit into this planet that we live on. And once you understand your own unique makeup, because as opposed to um, modern science, which claims or uses the one-size-fits-all uh, approach, Ayurveda is very individualized, very personalized. So once you understand your own unique um, makeup, physical makeup, then it's much easier to tune into how you fit in with the environment. And um, once you're a little your awareness is increased, then it's very easy to adapt and to be flexible with the needs of your own particular body in response to what's going on around you. So, I don't know, does that answer the question? Absolutely, it, it totally does. Um, I think maybe it would also be helpful for those um, listening who may not, may have not heard of uh, Ayurveda before or may vaguely heard it somewhere um, along the line but um, you have such a beautiful way of explaining uh, I always find it so hard to explain how what, what it entails and I would love for you to explain to somebody who who maybe has heard of it before but isn't really aware of the deeper meaning um, can you give us that deeper meaning Ayurveda is um, is a, an, an age-old science it's the sister science of yoga so both of these sciences were born from the Vedic civilization. 
So we're talking about, you know, something that ha was happening thousands of years ago in what is now known as India. And um, often we're aware of, same as kind of with yoga, we're all aware of, of the physical asana part. So, you know, doing postures, uh, for example. But yoga is actually a much broader science. Well, the same thing happens with Ayurveda's. Often we're used, we've heard about the doshas, uh, vata, pitta, kapha, or we've heard about uh, food in connection to Ayurveda, but it's actually a, a full-blown philosophy of life. It's, and it's, as, as everything that comes from the Vedic civilization, it, is, it, it really wants to help you to advance on a complete level, taking into account everything that you are, not just the physical or the mental and the emotional, but that part of you that is undying, that 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 is always there, that was that isn't born, that doesn't die, is, you know, that that true identity. So that's always there as kind of the broader aim or the, you know, where our GPS is set to. But in order to, you know, uh, I think the Indian philosophy is amazing that way in in that it'll be super uh, transcendental. It'll have a very transcendental aim or goal. However, and, and this is always the case with Ayurveda, they managed to break it down into bite-sized little pieces for us to implement in a practical way on a day-to-day -day level. So Ayurveda is this uh, ability to understand your physical makeup, but always with this more subtle essence as your true um, identity. Now, what we do for how to explain so we we follow or ayurveda's um definition of health is um uses the word asvasta in in sanskrit which means to be established in yourself and to be rooted yeah yeah to be established yeah. in yourself yeah just yeah. physically and emotionally but to connect to this kind of more subtle spirit if you like so um, how do we do that, though? Because it, it's, it's like such a big kind of vague concept. And Ayurveda helps us uh, breaking things down into, okay, first of all, understand that you, have, you are now embodied in a, in a physical vehicle. And, and if you understand what type of physical vehicle you're in, you're going to understand the, the challenges that your type of vehicle may have. Uh, but you're also going to understand the advantages of your type of vehicle. And, and for people to really get this, you know, some of us um, may, just by default, we may um, gain weight very easily, even though we're not eating very much. Whereas other people, and we all have friends, that eat as much as they like and never gain any weight. And this is always going to be connected to this concept of prakruti, your, your mind-body constitution that your body just has, it's the, the type of vehicle that you're, you're living in, in in this particular lifetime. So you've got like an inherent set of challenges and advantages connected to your mind-body type. But once you understand them and you understand what how nature works um, around you, it's much easier to organize yourself um, in in regards to diet, lifestyle, and other basic things. Um, another really, really important part of the Ayurvedic view 
is that our bodies are an inherent part of nature. We cannot separate ourselves from nature. As much as we may be in, you know, 2023, 2024, and we're a very sophisticated uh, race, we cannot separate ourselves from, from the planet that we live on. And uh, living a life that is divorced from nature is inviting illness into our lives. So no matter how sophisticated we are, the more in tune we are with our natural environment, the more our bodies are going to thrive because they are part of that environment. Our arms, our legs, our bodies are just uh, as much a part of the planet as the trees outside or the rivers flowing or the mountains. And that's something that people don't seem to get. We've forgotten these things. And not only that, we've forgotten that we've forgotten. So it's like a double, yeah. you know, a yeah. double lack of awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's really the back, the back to La Tierra feeling of, 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 of re gaining respect again for, for where we are from. And that, that is the best place for us to, um, to feel embodied, well embodied. And I'm just curious, as you're telling this story, I'm sure people may think, well, how did you, how did Ayurveda come to uh, become such an important part of your life? And uh, I'm sure there must be some personal story attached to something that you're so passionate about. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes, of course. Um, it was, I was, I don't know how old I was, but it was in the year 2006, my first visit to India. That's the first time I ever heard about Ayurveda. I'd never heard about it before. Um, my, even though I come from an international background, my, my mother is Spanish, my father was from Pakistan, I was born in London. I'd, I'd lived like at home, we'd always um, eaten uh, food that was, you know, spiced and, and, and looked very similar to Indian food and even Ayurvedic food. However, I'd never heard of the concept of Ayurveda until 2006. And at that point, I didn't have a terrible diagnosis. Like I, I can't, you know, I can't say that Ayurveda cured my cancer or anything like that. But I did have like a collection of little ailments that made my life, you know, quite miserable. You know, I, I had lots and lots of um, allergies. I would wake up in the morning and I would just be sneezing and just blowing my nose, lots and lots of mucus all morning until about midday with the tiredness and the, um, you know, just the lethargy that that would bring. And I didn't really understand why. I mean, I, I had allergy tests and I would, I was positive to everything. Um, even though I'd heard about Ayurveda a couple of years later in 2008, um, my body was still so kind of low that I was about 35 at the time, 34, 35, that I had a miscarriage because my body was, they were twins, which is a little bit more, you know, work for the body to to deal with, I think, than with a single pregnancy. But I had a miscarriage because my body just wasn't strong enough at age 34, 35 um, to pull through with all of the, this collection of allergies. However, the more I studied Ayurveda, I, had a, I went for a full-on uh, panchakarma, full-on clinical uh, cleanse in India in 2008. And that's where I think, even though I'd heard about Ayurveda before, 
that's when I really, it's through practice, really, I think. when Once you feel, once I felt the results of that cleanse, um, I was like, there was no turning back. It took years off me. Um, like I had more gray hair then than I do now at age 50. And my allergies were totally gone. And I understood my, my tendency towards accumulation of excess mucus, um, largely connected to just not having a very strong digestive system. So um, not only that, my, my partner at the time, he also uh, went through this cleanse. He had issues with eczema. We both did this cleanse around about May. And then the doctors said, okay, take everything with you and try and repeat it at home, uh, which we did to the best of our abilities, and then uh, try and conceive. And we, and we kind of, you know, hit the nail on the head on the first attempt. And, and now we have a 14-year-old son, as well as a daughter. But, um, and the pregnancy, everything was much, much easier than, than the previous one where I miscarried. So it was this kind of uh, amazing result. Um, now I understand, you know, that with my particular constitution, there are certain things that I need to be careful with most of the time. It's not about trying to be a perfectionist that my, I can get away with bending the rules, but if I want to be well and feel uh, vital, then um, there's a whole set of guidelines that Ayurveda has given me that helps me to just feel good, comfortable and energetic um, all of the time. And since then, you know, I have a second daughter. I'm, yeah, I'm now 50 years old. And I feel better now than I did at, you know, 33 when I first heard about Ayurveda in, in India, in Mumbai. Yeah, wow. And I'm wondering, people that are listening to you now, they, they may think, well, you know, I want a bit of that too. <laughs> and how do I go about that? Do I need to go to India to discover, you know, what, how I could um, live a life that's more in tune with my, uh, with my own constitution? How would people learn about this in a kind of beginner's way if, if they're interested and curious? Where would they start? Well, I mean, the thing about Ayurveda is, is yes, of course, it was born in India, but it, it's a universal science. So it can be applied anywhere you live in the world. Um, of course, I do find that certain subtleties are easier to understand in India in the context of Ayurveda. But I also find that Indians are very Indian. And sometimes as a Westerner, um, it's harder to understand them than it is understand Ayurveda from another Westerner. I'm, and so, mm -hmm. I mean, as a result of my incredible transformation, I've basically spent, you know, I've changed career. And now I teach Ayurveda always from a very practical point of view. So I teach um, cookery classes. I teach a course called Ayurveda Life, which is a great beginner's way, um, way of getting into Ayurveda because it combines theory with practical application. And that's actually available online as well. And then I do, I guide online cleanses like the one that you took part in. And that's also, I find a very powerful way of getting, getting into the major pillars of Ayurveda, just uh, food, lifestyle, um, and, and good rest are the three pillars of Ayurveda. 
I would, I mean, I would say Ayurveda is something that we do. So as much as, yes, you can read online from, from someone that, you know, maybe a, someone that you trust or that you feel you have a good, you know, you feel that you like the way that they explain things. But I would also immediately just try and incorporate things. Don't get too hung up on finding out your constitution because often, often that's kind of a very Western approach to Ayurveda. It's like, oh, yes, I want to find out my constitution. I'm this and I'm that. Yeah, it's a bit like your horoscope sign, right? <laughs> yeah, you just hang this, uh, yeah. hang, hang a leg yeah. on yourself and, mm -hmm. and, still, and still kind of stay in a box. And the whole thing with Ayurveda is, no, we're, we're not in boxes. We're part of what's going on around us. So just start tuning in to what makes you unique. And the things that over the years you've noticed that come up again every summer, you know, every summer I get a rash or every spring I get allergies or every uh, autumn I get, um, I can't sleep and I, and I'm constipated or et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think, um, I would read a little bit about it and I would just try and try and put it into practice and I would, and everything always starts with self-observation, -observa just noticing what's going on around you. And so really Ayurveda is for people who want to be an active part of their wealth, of their well-being. If you're more comfortable just kind of pressing a button or popping a pill, then perhaps Ayurveda is not for you. Ayurveda is really about taking your, your health and your well-being in your own hands. Um, but just tuning in exactly, to yourself. Exactly. And that's why I'm, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, you, the line was just, uh, you were slightly cut. Yes, uh, exactly. That's that's why I'm so, um, that's why I was so interested in having you on this podcast, because I think starting to understand um, why some things work for us and not for others, even within the family. Uh, so you could have, uh, you know, with certain foods or, or some family members that need more rest than others, some family members that need more uh, kind of um, structure in their day and others need more kind of flowing. And, and I think it's so interesting that once you understand that that is not somebody trying to be awkward or trying to be difficult, but that's just that we all have different ways of, of being, right? And I think it makes it so much more, I think we give so much more space then to ourselves and to the people around us as well, when we uh, we become more compassionate, I think also, in understanding that that's how things work, you know, whether it's for ourselves or, or for others. Um, so I'm wondering if, um, well, I, I did uh, really enjoy the, um, the cleanse I did with you for two weeks. And I it was like you said, uh, you have to really feel and experience it. Um, I do always enjoy also kind of intellectualizing, so reading and studying things. But like you say, the only way to really understand it is to feel what happens um, in your body when you change um, the three pillars. You know? So the, the food that you intake, uh, the amount of rest that you take. And you'll have to remind me of the third pillar that I, right now I can't think of. Uh, lifestyle. Right, so lifestyle would be would be um, is really a combination of both, and including also maybe uh, the daily practice. Yeah, exactly. Ayurveda gives great importance to the Sanskrit word is dinacharya, um, just like the way that you organize your day. Yeah, day to day, because the, there's a very like 
we talk about these three energies, uh, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha, which is kind of what everyone hears about when they first approach Ayurveda. They are not only within us, but they are present in, in nature as well, uh, in the 24-hour daily cycle, but also in the yearly, the annual cycle. And then throughout our lifetimes, the doshas will take turns in being more pre, uh, more present, more predominant. Um, it's not this, you know, there's a different energy that's predominating when you're a child than when you're an adult or when you're, when you're mature or elderly, right? So if we tune into those energies, then we can um, align ourselves with what's going on um, outside of us, out with us and within us. So Dinacharya is kind of the art of understanding that, yes, if I get up early in the morning, if I rise early, there's a, there's a calm uh, energy. And it's not only calm, but it's kind of there's an ascendant energy at that time. And that's why all cultures in the world, all spiritual traditions rise early. And that's kind of the time for meditation and prayer, right? And, and, it's, and Ayurveda adds a, a sequence of like self-care rituals that you can take care of yourself. Because if I fill my cup with this self-care early in the morning, then I am ready to serve everybody else once, you know, once I'm, I've, you know, I've done my, my morning uh, self-care physically, but also yes. on a more spiritual level and so forth. And so, you know, and then there's a time of day that's really good for making decisions. And that's when the sun is high. And then there's a time that's more creative. And then, you know, that's usually between that's between two and six in the afternoon. And then there's a time that is just better for relaxing or for doing very um, kind of, let's say, more mundane tasks, which would be between uh, six and ten in the morning and in the afternoon. So the, and this is how we see the sequence or how the doshas fluctuate throughout the the day and you can you can really use it to your advantage for everything for to improve your digestion to improve your work life um to improve your energy levels to sleep better so it and it's just a question of awareness and we have all of these kind of um ideas that are just i guess culturally based right that sleeping more hours is better but it's not the same to sleep um let's say you get more rest sleeping between 10 p.m. and say 6 a.m. than if you slept more hours in a different in a different time of uh, in a different period of the 24-hour cycle. This these are circadian rhythms. I mean, um, someone was given just a few years ago. There was a Nobel Prize awarded to someone. I forget the name for um, recognizing this, which is something that Ayurveda has been talking about for thousands of years. So one between 10, we, you know, really our bodies are synced with the sun. We use the clock just as a, you know, social or communication uh, method. But basically between 10 and two in the morning is when our liver is doing its detoxing and when the body does its rejuvenating. So if you are either digesting your dinner or awake, your body can't really get into all of that as well as or as deeply as effectively. So however, if you are resting, then, you know, you, you know, it's as if the, the trash man comes out. He, 
deals with all of the rubbish from that day, cleans everything out. And so when you wake up in the morning, naturally, you're going to feel a lot more refreshed than if you stayed up until two in the morning watching Netflix. You know what I mean? Eating. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so how it's... about as a, yeah. And, and then how about um, Sarah as a um, kind of bridge to what you were saying about different stages in life and how um, these different stages are also then reflected in the, in the different energy um, doshas. Um, for example, going on in, in, I mean, I'm a little older than you are, and, um, but as we go down the path of life and our, and our, our needs change, really, and I, and I think that um, as we're getting into this, this phase of our life, um, it's something that I think most of us aren't really, weren't really prepared for. It's something that, hasn't, that we don't really talk about much, apart from maybe just complaining about you know, getting another hot flush or something, hot flash, but um, that there isn't any um, deeper understanding of why this happens and what will be a natural way of, um, of, of trying to, to deal with it and, and embrace it also in a way. You know? And I'm wondering, I, I've noticed on your um, social media, you've been introducing a few things here and there on, on this phase of, of, of a woman's life. And I'm wondering, um, is there anything you would like to share with with the women listening? Um, how, yes, how this works and how they, they could use Ayurveda to, to support themselves in this phase? Yeah, for sure. I think it might be useful just to really quickly run through the three doshas. So Vata, mm -hmm, please. Yeah, Vata, Pita and Kapha. Vata, we can, um, in, in modern scientific terms, we would call it catabolism so it's the energy of destruction which is necessary right vata then pitta is um, the energy of metabolism so transformation and kapha is the energy of anabolism so it's con uh, construction nutrition that kind of thing now these three energies i mean modern science recognizes them too they're they're at play all the time um, all around us and within us. And they're always in motion, right? That, so that's going on. But then it's true that um, our childhood phase is a time of construction of nutrition. You know, you, when you're born, our body might be, what, 50 or 55 centimeters long. And then within a few years, we've like tripled our, our height. Right. So it's a stage of it's a kapha stage from an Ayurvedic point of view. It's a time of growth, of nutrition. Um, then with adolescence, puberty, we move into the pitta stage of life where we transform our lives. We we decide who we are. If you know, if we're in tune, we find our dharma, our purpose of life. And maybe we have a family, maybe we don't. But it's when we transform what's go what, what is available to us in life and um and you know we become who we are let's say in, in inverted commas and then the the third stage of life which in the case of of a female body um begins at around the transition of uh, menopause is when we enter the vata stage of life so remember our bodies are part of nature and and in the same way that you have, I don't know, like a, um, 
a beautiful tree or a let's say a rose bush and and at one point there's a bud and we could say that that's that's the kapha stage of this of this uh, flower and then it blooms and that's the the pitta stage of that rose and it, you know and, and you can see the the colors of the petals and it's just open and and doing its thing right and attracting bees and that's what this flower this rose is there for but then there comes a time that the flower will start losing that that kind of juiciness and the petals will fall they will dry and they'll fall to the ground and the and 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 move on to the next phase and it moves into the ground and um and basically becomes part of the earth and then will be born again. So in the same way, and this is something I think because of the Western concept of, of death as well as such a negative thing, we tend to avoid talking about this, right? We, we never talk about the, the part of, of the stage when our bodies kind of have to go back into the cycle, right? When they lose their uh, vitality. So vata, the vata stage of life is basically a preparation. It's when our bodies begin. If you think about, you know, an elderly woman or, or gentleman, their bodies are not that juicy entity that you find in a baby's body in the kapha stage of life, right? There's a drying process that, that occurs in all bodies and it will the degree to which we become drier um, will depend also on our constitution. But this, this drying and becoming more brittle is um, our bodies just getting ready to end the cycle, right? When I'm talking okay, about- Okay, we need a little positivism now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On a physical, but, this is, but this is the thing. Remember that this is your vehicle, yeah. okay? So, I know, I know, I know. But yeah. this is your vehicle. But this is, this is also why we don't have, why we don't talk about this in the West. It's because we think that mm -hmm. that's a bad thing. But, you know, here we are, like, you know, from a Vedic point of view, it's like, well, remember that, that you, who you really are is undying. You're, you're, you're never born and you never uh, die. You're always there, okay? You are full of possibility. That is who you really are, but you've embodied into this vehicle, this physical vehicle, which is, gives you this amazing opportunity to do all of these incredible things during this cycle. But then it comes just in the same way that that beautiful rose the petals dried up and fell onto the ground, our body would also has, has to do that. And it's not a bad thing. In fact, in many traditions, they say that you your whole life experience really is preparing you for that moment of transition where you leave your body, right? And the way you leave your body determines what happens to the soul in the next phase. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. So the, basically, the, the qualities of vata, to, to speak of Ayurveda is to speak of qualities, whereas in modern science, we're always talking about quantities and measuring everything. In Ayurveda, we like to tune into the qualities, the gunas of everything. And the, the qualities of vata are, I was, always talking, I was already talking about the dryness and the lightness and the roughness. These are all, these are three of six qualities of vata. These are the qualities that you will find in many mature bodies. And specifically in the in in a female body, we notice this. Um, you know, uh, people we tend to have drier hair, drier skin, 
the lightness is expressed and perhaps it's not as easy to have a long, deep sleep. You know, the roughness again in that kind of dryness of the, of the skin. And so Ayurveda has this um, golden rule, let's say, which is that like increases like, whereas opposites will balance. So if you're feeling um, dry, then we would, we would find balance in unctuousness, which is kind of the opposite. So how do we do that? We could eat uh, or consume um, healthy fats, ghee, good olive oil, avocado, for example, that will help us um, balance the dryness within. And also we can apply oil externally onto the skin. And then obviously to be hydrated, to drink uh, good quality water. And Ayurveda says, because our we have a certain body temperature within us, then what we need is to avoid cold drinks and to drink either room temperature or warm drinks. That's what our that will that will actually hydrate us a lot more than than any cold drink. Um, so yeah, that's that so interesting, and that's that's really I think one that everybody that's so important to for people to remember because I found such a big change in that, especially as we're changing the seasons now. Mm-hmm. How that has made such a difference in not in not taking in any anything cold, especially cold water. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to stress that for people listening. If you want to start with one thing, I would recommend to start with that. Absolutely, and and if you're like cause some people are just kind of addicted to the the feeling of something cold in their mouth, then at least don't have anything cold when you're eating during your meal, and and if you absolutely because you know in Ayurveda we like to do things slowly, so. And then maybe if you're super hooked on, on your ice drinks, then have those far away from your meals and then slowly, gradually um, uh, get rid of those as well. Actually, warm water, not just Ayurveda, I think all over Asia, it's considered medicinal just to be sipping on warm water all day. Sometimes it's like the most comforting thing in the world. Um, yes, yeah, thing, absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of the lightness of vata, so there's this lightness that that also comes into the body. If you think about, you know, a grandma and 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 how they tend to something that tends to happen at that age is that elderly people will like break a hip, and it's because their bones are are more brittle and and light. So um, one way of you know balancing that is by eating. Um, roots or, um, you know, f- uh, vegetables that grow under the earth, like beets, for example, or potatoes or carrots. Yeah, that will that will help ground us. And obviously just walking barefoot on the ground, the practice of grounding will help us. And also um, um, consuming grains, always paying at- attention to your digestive capacity, you know, eat, eat something and then make sure that you digested it well. Not just that you enjoyed it in your mouth, but that, that it felt good afterwards. That will help you. And another thing that's really good in that stage is um, of life is something sweet. Some sweetness also is quite grounding. Doesn't mean that we need to be eating white sugar at all, but like honey or a small amount of good quality cane sugar will also help to, to ground us. 
And then other things that will help specifically when... Um, With the roughness, for example? You yeah. were... Well, definitely applying oil externally mm -hmm. is a really good way. Um, Ayurveda mm -hmm. also has some practices for applying oil internally, but that's kind of a little, you know, convoluted to get into here. But um, mm -hmm. the generally in the vata stage for a woman, we want to increase the juiciness of of in our in our food intake and in life in general. We want to stay calm. Um, so avoiding things like caffeine or reducing caffeine is really good. Caffeine is actually not just very stimulating, but very drying and very heating from an Ayurvedic point of view. So I would definitely reduce with a view to eliminate, um, eliminating caffeine. And then um, to speak of, of a healthy life in Ayurveda is also to speak of a healthy digestive system. And we have this concept of Agni, which is a little more than, than your digestion, but we can use that for now. And you want to, you want to, that's a, a treasure. And so regardless of what stage of life you're in, you want to keep your digestive system strong. So avoiding cold drinks, like we said, eating at certain times, having an early dinner, using spices wisely. It doesn't mean you need to use loads of chili, but little cumin, little uh, black pepper, little ginger, those things go a long way to help us uh, keep our digestive system uh, strong. And those, th those three things, just increasing juiciness, staying calm, um, looking after our digestion, will go a long way to help us in the vata stage of life. And um, if, if you're having hot flushes, then avoid heating foods and heating activities. So um, for Ayurveda, like alcohol, um, as I already said, uh, stimulants like coffee or tea, um, vinegar, these foods, anything fermented is considered heating in from an Ayurvedic point of view. So you want to reduce those. Red wine, for example. You want to reduce or eliminate red wine um, or spirits. And that will help you, that will help reduce your hot flash flashes. Um, and you would want to like avoid intensity in your life because that, that kind of intensity and stress And so do as much as you can to just keep your life a little more calm and may, perhaps introduce breath work as a way. There's a, a practice called Nadi Shodhana, which is alternate nostril, uh, no, yeah, alternate nostril mm -hmm. breathing. And that's a really good way of just like balancing and evening out your nervous system and, and helping you deal with any stress that may come up. Th those are just like a few things that, that would help. But I mean, obviously... Being a personalized uh, science, it would be great to just talk to a practitioner. And I can assure you that Ayurveda can really go a long way to help um, in any stage of life, but particularly uh, menopause or perimenopause, as you mentioned. Yeah. So which part of, of, of all this um, is something that you think everybody should know? Because I, I can imagine that if you're out and maybe you're meeting somebody for the first time and they ask you, you know, what do you do or what do you... And you tell them about Ayurveda, and you and they might not know anything about it. Uh, what would be the first thing that you would like? That you, how, you know, how would you get somebody to to um, become curious, really, about Ayurveda? 
uh, without having to tell them, um, give them a lot of information straight off. I always find, you know, if there's one or two things that can make people curious, uh, that can get them on the journey on their on them on, on themselves. Uh, what would be your uh, trick to make people curious? I mean, I just it's just that it works, you know. Like I always go into my own experience. Like, yeah, you know, I just just. A couple of simple adjustments really had a huge positive influence uh, impact on my well-being. Having early dinners and understanding that some foods are harder to digest than others, and that those hard to digest foods should be avoided in the evening, it changed my life. The reason I was, um, you know, full of mucus all morning is because I was eating things that I couldn't digest in the evening. So when your body can't certain bodies, when they can't digest something, um, it turns into mucus. In my case, it was turning into mucus. And then the next morning, that needed to come out. So so um, what? For, when people ask me, you know, what, what's the story with Ayurveda? I'm like, you know, I just did a, I just started with a couple of simple changes and they really changed my life. Um, and the, just the power of, because we eat three times a day, I, I got into Ayurveda through the food and the cooking, and I teach cooking classes, Ayurvedic cooking classes. I think it's a really good way of putting Ayurveda in practice. Since it's something that we do, not just something that we study, I find that that's a really good way of um, of, of getting into Of introducing it, it. yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. one thing you said that really stuck with me is um, it's not what you eat, it's how you digest it. Yes. Because, and I think that's such a good one because like when we have, um, when we talk about food, you know, with, with, with people around us and, you know, you will soon very quickly get into this kind of discussion of whether or not something is healthy and whether or not something is good for you. And of course there can be things that can be, you know, very good for you, but well, maybe good for most people, but maybe it just doesn't agree with you and you digest it and it takes you so much effort to digest that it just ha there's too many uh, reasons not to eat it, kind of, you know? And I thought that was, that was such a good one because I think that completely takes it all away from whether or not something is healthy and that we can then just completely keep that discussion on the sidelines because that's not really what it's about, right? Because when we were doing the cleanse um, with you guiding it, I mean, of course, there were some things that are very healthy to eat normally, and we weren't including in that week. We were trying to uh, to to not eat during during this week. And initially, I thought, but that doesn't make sense because that's such a healthy thing to eat. But then I did realize that, well, actually, to digest it, you know, it it costs quite a lot of energy. So it makes sense to just give my whole digestive system a real break for two weeks. And then reintroducing things little by little really cleared up to me also um, how my body really responds to these things. Because sometimes, because we're eating so many different things during the day, we don't know what it is that maybe gets in the way. And by introducing them one by one, you become so much more aware of it. So that was um, a really good, um, a good point that I, I will not forget. Mm. Yeah, the, helpful. Uh, yeah, the importance of digestion, that... that concept that I mentioned earlier, Agni, it's, 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 it's a treasure. You really want to, you want to look after your Agni and you want to pay attention to how well you're digesting things. Cause yes, of course, 
your meal should be delicious and, and you should enjoy every bite of it. But what will make or break the, the relationship with the food is how well you're able to transform and assimilate it once it's, mm -hmm. you know, moved out of the, the mouth, out of the tongue, right? Often we're like a slaves to our tongue and what our tongue uh, demands, <laughs> right? But, but yeah, you are what you digest. Not, not this whole thing of you are what you eat is, is irrelevant. It's you are what you digest because no matter how delicious or healthy it's deemed, if you are not, you as an individual are not able to digest it, then not only will it not be good for you, but it will turn into toxic matter and therefore hinder you. So create illness in your body. So you really want to um, tune in. Be Ayurveda, at the end of the day, is just about being mindful and conscious uh, of, of everything that you do, which is something that is, you know, not very prevalent nowadays where we live like zombies in a kind of an automatic state. You know what I mean? So it's a, it really is an invitation to just tune into what you're doing and to be more present and more mindful uh, at, yeah. every, at every stage of the game. And yes, and that again is because I think often these being um, interested and being occupied in 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 applying these things into into one's life can sometimes be viewed also like you know you're being a little self-centered or a little you know, you're so busy with whatever. But I think the important part in understanding here is that I think when we feel well and we feel we have vitality and we're strong, we can take care about the people that are around us and we can create beautiful things. We can contribute to the world, you know, when we are in our, in our when we are feeling our best rather than having to um, struggle with, with, with things that are maybe prevented so easily, you know. I think that's such an important thing uh, when we talk about resilience um, at Back to La Tierra, that's really what we're all about. Like, how can you be be your strongest self, um, and not only for yourself, but for everybody around you and for everything that you're contributing to? You know, that's such an important thing. How, how would you see? I mean, of course, you're you're contributing so much um, with your Ayurvedic um, wisdom and your and your courses. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen also in the group that we were in, that I was in um, with you in um, a couple of months ago, that within the group, there was there were some girls that really went through some huge life changes. And I think it also really depends, of course, at what stage in your life you open yourself up to this cleanse experience. And sometimes it can be huge and sometimes it, maybe it's less huge, but equally important. Uh, but you must have seen so many people... Um, change and, 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 and be grateful to having discovered all this wisdom, right? Yeah, that, that, that's, at the end of the day, really, the, these programs are, they, they can be an invitation to transformation if you're open to it. And um, I mean, there are different ways, like the first, the first ever um, home cleanse that I did myself was was not really it was not really geared in that way in that direction it was very matter of fact kind of instructions about what to eat and when during the program and there wasn't much invitation or guidance as far as reflection but in my experience and also you know basing based on ayurvedic um, knowledge food and emotion are inextricably intertwined. In mm -hmm. fact, 
in, in, Ayurvedic, in Ayurvedic nutrition, we speak about the six tastes. Um, rather than focusing on, on, on the micronutrients and macronutrients, carbs, minerals, etc., we talk about the six tastes. So sweet, salty, sour, bitter, astringent, and pungent. And those tastes, as, as, as well as being something that we enjoy in our tongue, they actually hold nutritional power within them. But in, this, uh, in the same way that they have a physical effect on our bodies, they have an equal effect on our emotions. So a lot of the time, and, and, I, and we all know this, we're not reaching out for a food because of its physiological impact on our bodies because it's got such and such a micronutrient. We're reaching out for whatever, the, the biscuit, because of the, the satisfaction and comfort that the sweet taste gives us, right? Mm. So emotion and food are, you cannot separate them. And so that's when I, when I started guiding these cleanses, I was like, okay, what if we're going there? We may as well go there the whole way, right? <laughs> let's, let's, because also you become so light and so calm and so in tune with yourself that why not make the most of this clear vessel to explore you know, blockages that, that are going to come up through the cleanse. And um, and to be honest with you, I don't know, I have this kind of topsy-turvy relationship with what I do that I, I just do what I do because I, I, I cannot do anything else. And and so I kind, of for, I kind of forget or I don't pay too much attention. And just like yesterday, I think I got a... Um, um, uh, Marta, who did this last cleanse that, that you took part in, the, the fall one, the autumn one, she sent me a video testimonial, which is uh, something that I don't often get. And I was listening to her and I was like, oh, my God. Interestingly, she did a, um, I have a five-month uh, in-person course in Ayurveda. She took that with me last year. And I think just because of where she was at at the time, and I tried to make the, that course very kind of, experiential um however it was through the cleanse that she really um experienced transformation on so many levels and she says everyone around her <laughs> was noticing it to the point that i've just opened up the new year cleanse and like five people with her same surname have signed up so <laughs> she's obviously you know, a poster child for it but yeah i think that, that you know with these with these cleanses your agni which I was describing as your digestive power, but it's basically also the, the inherent intelligence, cellular intelligence that decides what you keep in your body and what you get rid of. And it works on every level. So also your intelligence, your intuition, your self-awareness also becomes heightened when, when through these cleanses, when you um, improve your digestive power, you're also in a really good place to decide, okay, this is fits in my life now, and this does not fit anymore. And I always say that the greatest gift from all of these programs is the clarity that you receive, because a lot of the time there's just a lot of kind of interference between your mind and your body, and you're not really sure who you're listening to when you're deciding things. But just by slowing down and following this um, whole food sattvic uh, diet, then, you know, and taking care of ourselves and following Dinacharya, the daily lifestyle that's recommended, you tune into yourself on such a clear level that, yeah, that people, you know, like they change jobs, they, you know, all sorts of things happen as a result. 
So if you're open to it, though, because there's also sometimes resistance and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. When I when I go back and I look at the um, testimonials from people, they do bring tears to my eyes. And I feel like so fortunate that I am able to help bring this to more people because it it's been so instrumental to me in my lifetime that I feel like I, I cannot, you know, I have no choice. I have to let as many people know about it as possible. Yeah, well, we're all we're all very very grateful for you sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. I mean, you're so passionate about it and what I really love about the way that you you teach is that you you're you're incredibly professional, very eloquent and um the way that you explain it, uh, it also the course is I mean, you 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 have a um a background in graphic design, right? And you can really tell in the way that you put together your um your course, I mean, it just all looks beautiful with beautiful pictures and it's all just really well done. It's, it's such a pleasure to, to, to follow. I mean, you don't feel lost or anywhere, and it's a, which makes a big difference, I think, when you're doing something like this for a longer time. Um, so, yeah, I really want to, want to thank you for, for sharing, that, um, sharing that with the world. And um, as far as people maybe listening to this and thinking, oh, I want to, I want to try this, um, you, of course, well, when we did the course, I mentioned that it's um, especially in times when we're changing the seasons, uh, when this is most appropriate, maybe, and most needed um, for body and mind. Um, I understand that you were saying in, in the end of January, you may be thinking of offering another online course. Maybe you want to just give a little information on this for people interested. Yeah, uh, uh, for... I think this might be the fourth edition of this New Year's, I call it more of a New Year's reset than it's not really a cleanse because mm-hmm. from an Ayurvedic point of view, we're always tuning in to the broader, um, we want to we wanna tune into nature, right? To the rhythms of nature. And so, as you mentioned, the, the junction between seasons especially between winter and spring and then summer and autumn, um, there's a, it, it can be a little challenging for the body to, to make it from one stage to the next. And so that's when Ayurveda in its wisdom says, okay, do a little cleanse, slow down, get rid of what you may have accumulated in the previous phase, and then you're going to sail through into the next phase you know, really beautifully. However, um, winter, from an Ayurvedic point of view, this, this cold uh, season, is a time to build our immunity for the rest of the year, which means that it's not a good time to detox. I know a lot of people, they kind of overdo it over the Christmas holidays, and then they get to January and they're doing green juices and et cetera, et cetera. From an Ayurvedic point of view, that is not, that's not what we recommend. So what I do, but, but socially, you know, and that this bears quite a big significance um, we all feel like the new year, the, the Gregorian calendar starting again, is a time for fresh beginnings. That doesn't really, it's more of a social thing than, a, than something that comes from nature. But I, I kind of, I jump on that because we're convinced that it's a time to begin. So then it is, then it does become a time to begin. So in this new year's, I call it, um, in Spanish, it's called Renace y Brilla. So re- rebirth and, and glow, let's say, could be the English translation. And um, 
what we do is yes we 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 simplify the food that we eat we do follow self-care rituals um, and these are slightly different depending on the time of year that we're practicing them and I'm putting in a lot of breath work into the into the January edition as well we'll do some yoga practice we'll be using mudras the the hand um, gestures as well to help us and something that I like to give a lot of importance to in in the new year program is um, formulating intentions and manifesting them or or let's say the the strategy the right strategy for making those things happen um, and it's not often people think that it's all about what you do but what we're going to learn in the new year's program that it's it's really about something else and again because we'll be focusing on resetting our digestive power we're going to notice that that will, yes, it will give us physical, physiological um, well-being, but it will give us so much uh, calm, clarity, that it will be a lot easier to, um, to create intentions or New Year's uh, resolutions from a better place, from a more conscious place. Yeah, so, more centered. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's about, basically. Yeah. Great, wonderful. Well, I mean, I can recommend um, whatever you teach. I can recommend it highly. Mm -hmm. So uh, please take a chance, people, if you're interested um, in Ayurveda, then I think Sarah, uh, most of her online presence um, on social media is in Spanish. But as you've heard, she, she's fluent in English as well. And so there is, I think, plans eventually to maybe expand on that we're not sure how well maybe another time but um the um course some of the courses online are also in english and the cooking classes are in english so i'm sure if you get in touch with sarah uh, she will tell you what the possibilities are if english is your only um, option and um i would definitely look out for her and follow her along to end this year on a good note and start it on an even better one Thank you so much, Sarah, for your contribution. Um, I love speaking to you and thank you so much for your wisdom. You've inspired me once again to keep up the good work <laughs> and um, let's, um, let's keep this all um, inside ourselves and bring it along. Thank you so much, Sarah. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, Marina. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you for sharing your, your platform. And yes, and if anybody is inspired to understand themselves better through Ayurveda, then I'll be very happy to be of service. Great. Thank you so much, Sarah. Bye. -bye. bye. Have a wonderful Christmas. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>